0: So back in 2015, I was appointed to serve as the pastor over in Jacksboro at 1st UMC there. I had a lot to learn about country life. Most of uh, the the kids in that congregation grew up with chores, not unlike my own kids, but their chores involved often the feeding of livestock and, and farm animals rather than just the family pet. I certainly had a lot to uh, learn because most of those children and uh, teenagers in our congregation were active in 4-H and FFA. Shortly after I got there, we had the county fair. And I learned a lot about county fairs that first year. And by the time the second year rolled around, I not only knew more about showing livestock I also learned more about each of the individuals in my church, these young people, who put a lot of time and effort into it. And so I went to see Kobe. Kobe had taken on the effort of raising goats for the first time in his life. His sister had raised pigs and he was into goats. And so I found Kobe near the pen where he kept two of his favorite goats to show that year, and I began to ask him, about raising goats. I asked what their names were. He told me their names. I said, do they come when you call them? No, they're goats. They're dumb, Cassie. (laughs) Okay. I said, I asked him a little bit more about his goat, and then I said, Kobe, what is the difference between your goat and that goat over there that those people are working on? He didn't miss a beat and didn't even make a face when he simply said, Cassie, that goat is a sheep. (laughs) Now, I share that story with you because my tenure here is growing short, and I feared that I would not be able to share that wonderful, delightful story before I left. And also, today's scripture is all about sheep. So, will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence with fond expectations. We come listening for your voice. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the word of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In this season after Easter, the The six or seven Sundays that follow Easter, we usually take a look at the various resurrection stories in the Gospels. And these are my favorite stories. And today's story, while it is not a resurrection story, it is all about who is responsible for that resurrection. And it gives us a lesson on how to live a resurrected life. Today's uh, uh, passage comes from the Gospel of John, and by the time John was writing his gospel, there he had the uh, advantage of having sixty years since Jesus' death and resurrection. It gave him time to think about all the teachings of Jesus, to to really lean into what it was Jesus was trying to say when he walked the earth and taught his disciples. And so when we listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, Jesus often talks in long sermon-like narratives that are filled with metaphors and summarizing his identity and his mission in the world. John's Gospel is the one that has the beloved I am statements, the ones we love to listen to, the ones that say, I am the way, truth, and light. I am the bread of life. I am the Resurrection and the Life, and I am the Good Shepherd. So this morning, we are going to, to look at the passage about the, where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd, and we are going to find out what Jesus has to teach us about being courageous and, and listening to the influences in our lives. It's found in John, in the tenth chapter, I'm going to read verses 11 through 18. Listen now for the words of Jesus, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. So the first time I preached on this text was in my preaching class at Perkins and I, I crafted this beautiful sermon about this shepherd and, and, their, and, and the beloved sheep and how the shepherd protected them and held them and Loved on them. How, how it's interesting about sheep. Sheep learn the voice of the one who cares for them. And when a new sheep is introduced into the flock, they, it takes them a while to learn the voice and the sound of, of this beautiful shepherd image. This shepherd who pulls them together and keeps them safe from all things that can harm them and hurt them. After my sermon, it was our custom to watch it, we were recording it, and watch it with my professor. And when we finished, my professor looked at me and said, Cassie, do you want your listeners to hear that you equate them with dumb, mindless sheep? Oh my gosh, that might have been a little harsh, but he had a point. In my well-intended effort to paint this image of shepherd and sheep, I missed an important opportunity to draw us out of that green pasture and into the mission of the church, which is exactly what Jesus was hoping to do. You see, in the first century, shepherds were not pastoral at all. They were rugged. They were people that lived outside. They they didn't even, they slept outside, they didn't bathe often. They were crude kind of individuals, they were rough around the edges, and when they came into community at all, they usually lacked manners and and social graces. So when Jesus in the company of mainstream Jewish citizens says that I am the good shepherd. He's not pointing to a pastoral kind of image of a man that holds a baby lamb. In fact, it was probably an affront to most of the people that were listening to him. It would be kind of like him standing among us now and saying, I am the good migrant worker. It was an attention getter. And I don't think he was about making us feel pastoral and comforted so much as challenging us. You see, this metaphor of shepherd and sheep is like Christ and the church. We get that. We understand that. It's about a relationship between Jesus and us. A relationship that is built on mutuality, mutual recognition, and mutual belonging together. And the challenge that Jesus gives us is, will you listen to me? Or whose voices are you listening to? You see, this distinctive voice of Christ is calling us to invite others to join us. Jesus says, I've got all these other sheep. I need to make sure they're pulled together. I must go and bring them also. Jesus points out that there is only one flock and there is only one shepherd. Now, we recognize that he's not talking about Baptists and Methodists and Catholic. We know that. We know that we are all part of one, one flock. I don't even think he's talking about other believers, Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists. I think he might be talking about the neighbors that don't take us very seriously. The ones who don't take us very seriously because we look all too much like the rest of the world. You see, we live in this culture that says, I got this. This rugged individualism where we become so self-reliant that our heroes seem to look like the self-made men and women who take this raw deal that the world offers them and turns it into gold somehow, often at the expense of others. They follow idealisms. They follow the path of greed and position and power and sometimes, sometimes that's the way our neighbors see us. In a world that is so self-centered and self-reliant, our neighbors see us as self-righteous. We have that same sense of belonging. Who's in? Who's out? We have the same language of us and they we too draw our lines of separation. So what Jesus is challenging us to is what voices will you listen to? Who will you listen to? If we're going to be like the Good Shepherd and not like the hired hand that runs away any time the heat gets turned up and we find ourselves in a sense of danger, then we have to listen to Jesus, because it is when we listen to Jesus that we recognize that it is not by our own doing that we are made righteous. It is only by the grace of Jesus that we are made right with God again. It's nothing that we do. It is not what we do, it is who we follow. It's not what we say, but who we listen to that makes a difference with our neighbors. Often, I ask people, what are you reading? What's on your bedside? It tells me a little bit about where their mind is, and and who's influencing their their thoughts, shaping their hearts, and shaping the way they see the world. And so I think when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, you recognize my voice, and I know your name, Jesus is saying, who? are you allowing to influence you? What are you listening to? And so I hope that that we can find ways to listen to the one that removes all self-righteousness. The one who challenges us to go beyond our beautiful stained glass windows and soft pews on Sunday morning, which is a beautiful place to gather a place where Jesus touches us and empowers us and motivates us, but instead drives us back out into the world that is filled with danger so that we can offer that message of hope, that oneness, that unity with our friends, where we can go and be with the person who is hungry just to belong, just to feel accepted and wanted rather than pointed at, and mocked. The one who needs a community filled with love, a place where not everyone thinks alike, but everyone loves with the same heart. So who are you listening to? Who's influencing you in these days? I hope that your influences, your authors that you listen to, that you read. When you pick up your social media, you're listening to the one who offers you the voice of Christ. We know what he looks like. He's the one that goes to the margins. He's the one that challenges our thinking. And then I hope it is you and I who can introduce this one who lays down their life for us to our neighbors. Because they're watching us. They're watching us to see who we follow. May it be the good shepherd. Amen.